Welcome to the Grid Magazine podcast, where we talk about the best stories of travel and adventure from around the Philippines. This is not your host, Paco Guerrero. This is Grid Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Nina Unlai. And I'm here to share with you a very special episode for National Heroes Day. Today, we're going to be speaking with Filipino historians, or rather, hearing from them. We pose the same question to three different historians. Who is your favorite national hero? And we got three different answers. And apart from the really great history lesson that we got, we also entered a conversation about why we consider these people heroes and who we remember as heroes. Here's Xiao Chua, assistant lecturer at DLSU Manila and public historian, telling us about his favorite hero. Well, uh, of course, my favorite would always be Andres Bonifacio. Rizal is, uh, is, of course, my first love, okay, among our heroes. And will always be like, you know, uh, at the top with Bonifacio. The problem with Rizal was that he did a lot of things. And of course, he, he is one of those who imagined the nation through his writings and through his works, which had an immense impact on the people. But the problem with Rizal was that he was looking at things in the lens of the West in the lens of his education. He tried to understand Filipinos. He still failed to anticipate that the people wanted to revolt already. Andres Bonifacio, despite the fact that he did not finish school, he was able to read Spanish and he was able to know what happened in America, in France, uh, in world history, and was able to realize, even as an Indio, that it is possible that nations rise up against their colonizers or their, or their tyrants. He did not understand it the way the West understood it. That rather, because he was still rooted in the culture of the Filipinos, he was able to uh, imagine the nation as inang bayan. Instead of teaching Filipinos what is a nation, he made the Filipinos imagine with him what we can be. There are th- people who say that he was stupid, he was uneducated, he was bobo. But in, 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 in fact, he was the one who was successful enough to make the people imagine the nation with him that they were all ready to die with him. So how, how did he imagine the nation? He articulated democracy as Haring Bayan, wherein the power of the Hari is not a particular king, but the nation, the people, are the Hari, Haring Bayan. And, and, and the Haring Bayan is based on um, Kabutihang Loob, and Kabutihang Loob in psychology, in Filipino psychology, means uh, uh, or begets begets or results to kaginhawaan so kabutihang loob results to kaginhawaan and kaginhawaan uh, is also uh, true kalayaan or true freedom 
Kasi if 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 the Westerners are only thinking of uh, establishing a republic, a state, uh, giving political rights, Andres Bonifacio goes beyond that. I'm not saying that he did not understand that, but he goes beyond that. They saying you cannot be truly free if you do not eat three times a day. Kaginhawaan is important. When when people attacked him and when people killed him, our fellow his fellow revolutionaries, I believe that that's a case of misunderstanding and misjudging him. Uh, well, aside from personal interests, diba? So they did not understand him because they were all looking at republicanism and you know the the liberal uh philosophy whereas Bonifacio all, uh, wanted to be more indigenous and for a lot of them that's not the way it should be and for a lot of people today that's still the way it should not, and that that's that's still not the way it should be because the class, the, the the cultural divide, not even a class divide, but the cultural divide is still there. That is what Bonifacio wanted to resolve, and he did. He wasn't. Uh, and when they killed him, uh, that kind of uh, cultural divide persisted and permeated, made stronger by elite democracy and made stronger by American education. This is what I always say. We always look at Andres Bonifacio as a war freak, as a mindless, crazy guy. But if you're going to look at the Katipunan writings that he wrote with Emilio Asinto, you will see that there is a concurrence or a pattern or consistency in their writings that you know that they have one mind and one spirit. And you will see that in in many of their writings, there is so much emphasis on love, pag-ibig. Diba? Aling pag-ibig pa ang hihigit kaya sa pagkadalisa at pagkadakila, gaya ng pag-ibig sa tinubuang lupa. And then in the Cartilia, it says, dito ang kauna-unahang utos, isa sa kauna-unahang utos ay pag-ibig sa bayan at sa kapwa-tao. In the Decalogue of Bonifacio, there's emphasis on pag-ibig sa may kapal at itong pag-ibig sa may kapal ay pag-ibig dapat sa bayan dahil ang pag-ibig sa bayan ay pag-ibig sa kapwa. So I always say that uh, hindi lang atapang atao si Bonifaz. Sana maalala ng tao na hindi lang siya atapang atao kundi tinuruan din niya tayong umibig. How do we define our heroes? Is it someone who triumphs in battle or someone with extraordinary abilities? As we spoke to more and more historians, we found that this was a much more relevant question to ask. Why are some heroes more popular than others? We spoke to John Ray Ramos, a lecturer at the Department of History at Ateneo de Manila University, whose favorite hero is perhaps the country's most popular one, Jose Rizal. In the veneration of Rizal as a hero, his ideas were somewhat sidelined. Because what happened when 
Rizal was alive and when the Philippine Revolution broke out, it was so happened that Rizal, being a victim of injustice, he was unjustly arrested and exiled in the Pitan. And because of his writings, though people didn't were not able to really write uh, or the people were not really able to read all of Rizal's work, he, it was so... He became hero to them. He became an inspiration to the revolution because he was seen as a symbol of oppression. He was a symbolic character more, rather than being really the one, the, the, the theoretician or the, the minds behind the revolution. It's Rizal's ideas were really not that. Uh, highlighted in the revolution. It's more of people becoming inspired to fight for justice because they saw their someone who was great, who was standing up for their rights, unjustly persecuted by the Spaniards and eventually martyred. That's why people venerated Rizal. So, ironically, it is like uh, he was at the wrong wrong place at the uh, wrong time so was he was that an incidental was rizal an incidental hero no because uh rizal really stood up for the rights of the people but eventually even though people were not able to read rizal nor understand his ideals he really became a rallying symbol for fighting for justice and eventually our liberty. So he was the inspiration of the Katipunan. He was honorary president, and whenever there's a meeting of the Katipunan, his portrait is always present, etc. And when he was executed, people were shouting justice for his name. The ranks of the Katipunan grew after his execution, etc. And eventually, eventually, because of that... Um, veneration or because he was a symbol it's similar to being ninoy aquino where in okay he just stood up for justice but it was his eventual it was their eventual martyrdom that really cemented their place in the pantheon of heroes so the challenge for us educators really is to show why rizal is not just a martyr but also has uh, ideas that can help improve the state of our society and nation. It's not just hindi bayani si Rizal dahil nagpabaril siya sa luneta. It's more than that. Ideas are the backbone or the things or the driving force for, for our actions. So ideas, beliefs, okay, Ideas of heroes, their history, their writings basically could affect our ideas, our beliefs, and our values, which eventually shape our daily decisions, actions, and habits that eventually shape our society. So that's why I think ideas are important because they are the foundation of action that can either destroy or improve our nation and our society. Basically, when I read the okay, the indolence of the Filipino and how to deceive the native land, those were the two top political writings and must-reads for those who are teaching and studying Rizal. 
In the Lens of the Filipino is a long reading, one of my the longest readings in my class. And oftentimes, my students are saying, Sir, nakakatamad ba sa akin? No, you have to read that. Because it basically answers the issue that, or the false statement that Filipinos are poor because we are lazy. Rizal explained through history and through social commentary that in that long essay that it is not the fault of the Filipinos that they have not the will to work hard because no matter how hard they work okay if the system if the system of society that they are living it cannot provide the or cannot reward them on the measure of how hard they work what is the point of working hard? Uh, Rizal, on top of many other heroes and political writers in the Philippines, even though his writings were written in the, in the late 19th century, he basically highlighted his, the, his observations, his experiences, the injustices, the corruption. The key characteristic of Rizal really is his curiosity. His curiosity to learn, his curio, his uh, aptitude in trying, in becoming interested in a lot of fields and improving on them. And his perhaps humility that he cannot solve everything, which he recognized in his Noli Metangere, that I do not claim. He said that I do not claim to have the 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 medicine or I don't have the cure, but perhaps um, I'm offering this book to the nation so that one day, if people might read it, they might know how to cure the problems of society. We tend to go, the trend is really to just specialize in one thing and then look at problems in a compartmentalized way. And I think this is quite different from what Rizal did, wherein he... He he went into a lot of things and he applied uh, most of these different things and applied it into his analysis, etc. Jose Rizal and Andres Bonifacio are likely names that you've heard before, people that you've studied. But there are many other people in history who don't go named in our textbooks, even if we are a country with such a diverse culture. To wrap up this podcast, here is Aisha F. Kunting, professor of the History Department of Western Mindanao State University, as she talks about Moro history and the heroes that don't go named. Um, history is about looking at all possible perspectives. And when we lose to see or we fail to see the contributions of Moro fighters against the colonization, uh, we lose a part of who we are, actually. We lose a part of the courage that, you know, we should have, that we should have, or, or the pride as a Filipino. So we lose a bit of that because we only know about those heroes and those organizations who fought in Luzon or even in Visayas. This has a tremendous effect at present, actually, because um, once we misunderstand something from the past, it reverberates to the present. We still misunderstand um, 
the group of people that they represent to this day. Um, the Sabil, whom the Spaniards called Juramentado, uh, basically were uh, fighters, were Moro fighters. So by Moro, I mean those who were Islamized or those who became Muslim, uh, Filipinos in the archipelago. Specifically, um, I did a paper on the Sulu Juramentados okay, during the turn of the 20th century um, when the Spaniards were about to be defeated and the Americans were coming in. So basically, they were fighters who didn't have much uh, membership in an organization but attacked um, the Spanish soldiers or American soldiers on their own with just a calis or kris, that's uh, a kind of a sword with a wavy blade. So they attacked the um, Spaniards and the Americans um, alone, you know, and, and they were really sure that they were going to be killed in return. In a way, um, they rose because of the lack of organization during that time. Uh, the Sulu Sultanate was already weakening and there wasn't much leadership that could be uh, formed. So they took it upon their own selves to fight you know, for their freedom, for their independence, for, for their faith. It was their form of fighting against colonization. Unfortunately, in history, they are more known as juramentado, which comes from the word uh, juramentar or to take an oath. It's kind of uh, apt. It's a kind of apt definition of juramentado because they took an oath to defend everything that they had to defend. It, it was a neutral word, but then it was taken as negative when they started using, when the Spaniards and even the Filipinos started using the word juramentado to mean someone who has gone amok. So someone has gone crazy just attacking people. So that's why we also hear um, some Tagalog, uh, Tagalog phrases like, naguhuramentado ka na naman. So it just means that, you know, you're, you're probably complaining about something trivial. So that's what's written in history, juramentado. But uh, they called themselves sabil which came from the Arabic phrase fi sabilillah or uh, in the way of Allah or in the way of God. This is where we have to be careful and we have to consider that mainstream uh, presentation of history has to be checked in, in some parts, especially when we talk about Mindanao or Moro history because it was the Spaniards who coined the term juramentado and from then on since uh, they printed it they printed the word juramentado on on their um, annals on their chronicles on their records about Mindanao so they mentioned juramentado so that's what stuck with us even the negative image of a juramentado going amok that also stuck with us i realized when I was researching that, there are a lot of misunderstood uh, concepts and even people in our history, in mortal history, 
they were actually uh, fighters who gave up their lives to fight the Spaniards and the Americans. And for me, what breaks my heart is that they are remembered very much differently today. The Moro, the Moros of the Philippines had been there from the beginning fighting for independence, fighting for their identity, and fighting for peace. The problem with many Filipinos, because of our colonial education, we tend to look at heroes as, in the Western sense, you see, heroes in the Greek sense, like they're, they're powerful, they're supermen. What we fail to see is that this kind of definition actually takes us away from the Filipinos' concept of heroism. Because, because the Bayani, in different places around the country, the Bayani or the Bagani, is a warrior or someone who serves the people without waiting for anything in return. And Western heroes tend to be personalistic or individualistic, while the, the Bayani of the Filipinos are with the people. It came from the old Austronesian word wani. Wani means service without waiting for anything in return. So that's why the government official, the government employee is called kawani because of that word wani, and then it became bayani. So however weak, however flawed we are, the willingness to serve the people, or at least to go beyond your your duty to yourself and to your family to be involved in your country that, that you should see that as kabayanihan as as a more historian um in this celebration or commemoration of national heroes day i think it is also time that we focus on what our heroes, whether we know them by name or not, what our heroes did for us as a country, as a people, as an archipelago in the past, and that no one person who fought for the Philippines, for the Philippine archipelago, should be left out of that story. Let us remember the Moro fighters who actually did not put down their arms to the Spaniards nor to the Americans and even fought during the Japanese occupation. So we see that we are side by side. Whether we are in Mindanao, whether we are Moros, we are actually fighting all that is evil no, as, as heroes. The reminder here is that heroes, okay, that Filipino heroes uh, all contributed to the freedoms, to the rights, and to the democracy that we are somewhat enjoying today and our con that we and the democracy that we are still fighting for to improve. That is what heroes did. They lived, they wrote, they loved, they died, and they left their motherland in a better state 
than the state that they encountered it. So that's the challenge na kung ano yung nadatnan natin na sitwasyon ng bayan pag namatay tayo heroism. It's always uh, contributing for the betterment of our society and our country. Thank you for tuning in to the Grid Magazine podcast. And we at Grid wish you a happy National Heroes Day. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you want to learn more, we have an online feature up at www.gridmagazine.ph. You're also welcome to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Grid Magazine PH. We'll be back next week with your regular host, Paco Guerrero, who is hopefully done watering his plants. See you then.